Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. And welcome back to Under Review. I'm Greg, and he is Steve. What's up, buddy? I'm doing good. You? Not too bad. Not too bad, actually. How about you? Um, right over there. Yeah, everything's fine in Vienna. I mean, January is always the worst month of uh, of the year, so I'm happy for this month to be over. Um, and yeah, I mean, the only the only thing I'm looking forward to. Uh, every every January is you know the start of February. You get the Super Bowl, uh, rugby season starts, um, and we get close to the trade deadline. So for me, February is is perfect. Yeah, there you go. Um, this is going to be a probably a shorter episode because not a lot of things really to cover, and then we get the All Star Game coming up. So just a little FYI for everyone. Um, so yes, yeah, so let's uh, let's jump into a, a couple of things here, I guess. Um, so. First of all, did you watch last night's game? Because I, I didn't. Uh, I did. I did. I, I watched the Rangers, unfortunately, lose to the Islanders. Um, it is what it is. I mean, we beat them twice. They are higher ranked than the Rangers. I never expected us to sweep them. Um, so getting two out of three while rebuilding against the Islanders, who are sort of going for it and are in a playoff position, is not a bad, Is you know, it's... It's better than I expected. Um, I think the big news of last night's game is the fact that Panarin wasn't playing. Um, suffered an upper body injury. Um, and yeah, and you, could, you could tell that the Rangers are a different team without him. And I'll quickly go into why I always felt this season we were never going to make the playoffs. And it's, it's this. Um... At this moment, after 48 games, we're in the exact same position as last year. We have one more point compared to last season after 48 games. And that is after replacing Pionk, Hayes, and Zuccarello basically with, um, with Truba, Panarin, and you know Strom being the emerging force of the players that were already on the team. You have Panarin, who is who is on pace for a career year with a projected 117 points. You have Truba, who's playing good hockey. You have Adam Fox, who's exceeding expectations. Anthony D'Angelo, who's on pace for 60 points as a defenseman. That's crazy. Uh, Zibanejad's over a point per game. Strom is close to a point per game. And despite all those things going in our favor, we're still out of a playoff position. Mm, so... Yeah. The fact that we're we are missing the playoffs for me does not come as a surprise. I, I just don't see it happening. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun to watch the Rangers this year compared to last year. You know, Panarin makes every game fun to watch. Um, and yeah, it's it's just it's it's a transition year. You know, we had like the bottoming out last season, um, and now we're in the transition of you know getting that that really high pick last season together with the lottery, of course, and actually going for it again next year. This year is, is a nothing year. So we, 
I watch the games for, you know, the entertainment. And if we lose a game in regulation 6-5, I'm happy. You know, I, I, did, I did not expect much from the Rangers. I just want Panarin to do well. I want Zibanejad to stay over a point per game. I want D'Angelo to have a career year. And, you know, we'll just see what happens. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and of course, Capo Caco, uh, who had a uh, career high in 19 minutes last night um, in the NHL. So maybe maybe with the with the All Star break coming up, he's flying back to Finland. He's gonna spend some time with his family because he hasn't seen his family since October. Maybe I hope he comes back, you know, rejuvenated and builds on this performance. Uh, but yeah, aside from you know, despite the fact that we lost four two to the Islanders, there were some some positives on the individual level in the game. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean uh, the Panarin thing is um, I, I didn't even know he was hurt. Um, until actually today, until I realized, until I, I saw, um, a tweet by him that said that he, uh, is out of the all-star game yep. and that was the first that I knew he was even hurt. So, uh, do you know anything about the injury? Um, they didn't really specify anything other than that. It's an upper body injury. I think it happened against the, the previous game against the Islanders because against the Columbus Blue Jackets, he already looked a bit off. He looked like he was, uh, not really going for it. Uh, so yeah, maybe he was a bit beat up, and the Islanders were were chasing him. You know, they were they were zeroing in on him all game uh, last week. So yeah, maybe he was just you know just just some some discomfort from a hard hit or something. But unfortunately, they won't give us any details. But uh, yeah, Panarin has uh, is not going to the All Star game, which kind of sucks. I mean, we finally have this. This elite player who's going to represent us at the All-Star game. And then, you know, he suffers a, an injury like a week before. Um, he's replaced by Kreider, which in itself I think is kind of funny. You know, number 20 goes to the All-Star game in 2020. It's, yeah. it's a numbers thing. Um, I personally think it should have been Zibanejad, but maybe he already had vacation plans. Um, it is what it is. The all-star game for me personally is not as fun as it used to be. So if I was in charge, I would I would change some, some things. And, and, you know, people have asked me about it. You know, if, if there's one thing you could change about the all-star game, what would it be? Yeah, I could probably name five things off the top of my head that I would change. But Yeah, I, I'll tell you the one thing I, I, I would change is I would change that it exists. No, I, would, I mean. I, I, I don't even care. I mean, I'm just saying me personally. Like that's the, amount, the, the, the amount of things I care about in this world, um, you know, that's uh, the, the all-star game isn't even in my top 600. Like, it's just, I'm just being real. Like, it's not real hockey. I, I care about the, like, the skills competition stuff, I think, is kind of, kind of neat. I used mm -hmm. to watch those. Mm -hmm. but the all-star game itself, man, I can't, I think the last time I watched an all-star game was probably... I want to say over a decade ago. Seriously. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I have to say the last few years have been a slight improvement because 10, you know, five to 10 years ago, you had these, uh, these all-star games where the score was 27-24 and nobody, nobody, nobody gave a shit. Nobody cared. But now, you know, with the three-on-three -three format, uh, with divisional teams, it makes, you know, it gives it at least something, you know, it makes it a little bit more fun. 
But I agree, the skills competition is the reason I watch. Um, not as fun as the skills, skills competition in the KHL, if you would, you know, if I can be completely honest here. Um, the KHL just goes all out, man, with their skills competition. And even with the All-Star game, you know, they have goalies taking face-offs in the defensive zone. Uh, last year, there was a guy who lit his uh, stick blade on fire for a, uh, for a shootout attempt. It's, it's so much fun, man. It's so much fun. And yeah, they go overboard, but that's what the All-Star game is all about. And I understand when people don't like it. It's not that I really look forward to it. I usually watch it afterwards because it's too... It's not something I stay up for. And it's still 1 a.m. So I don't watch it live. I usually watch it the next morning on YouTube. Because fortunately here in Europe, you know, it's not it's not blacked out for you know, geo... Uh, for this geographic region, it's not blacked out. So I can watch it on YouTube. Um, but yeah, you know, the All-Star game... It, they have to use it to, to sell their product. The NHL has to sell their product. And the All-Star Game is a great way to appeal to non-hockey fans. Um, I don't watch basketball at all. I, I don't want to say I hate it. I just think it's boring. I would much rather fly to the Netherlands and go shopping with my mom on a Saturday than watch a basketball game for three hours. That's how boring I think basketball is. But... When they have their all-star game and their dunk contest, I still watch it. You know, it's fun. It's it's not basketball, but it's entertainment. And that's yeah. and that's what the NHL All-Star Game is. It's not hockey, it's entertainment. It's it's but it's, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not even I'm not even entertained by it though. I don't know. Maybe it's no, just no. you as a diehard hockey fan are not entertained by it. But I don't think it's aimed at you or me. I think it's aimed at the casual fan and people who aren't fans of hockey yet you know it's an easy way to to get into the sport you know to get familiar with it maybe i don't i don't know i if i mean i can't see the angle there um because i don't think it's really hockey so i don't i but i don't know i'm i'm, I'm looking at it from a different lens so it's hard for me to really understand um if there, I think, if, but if, if there are somebody else would give that opinion if there are some things i would change about the all-star game it's probably um you know, since you have divisional teams now, you have eight teams per division. Have two players from each team. You know, not just the one. I'm yeah. pretty sure with 16 players, you can still play three on three hockey. Um, I, what I would like, what I would like to bring back is the the rookies, the rookie all stars who can participate in you know the skills competition. I remember in his rookie season, Carl Haglin won the fastest skater. Um, in the final against Colin Greening, two players you would never see in an All Star game these uh, in the All Star weekend these days. You know, bring back or specialists. You know, uh, like the 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 worst one of the worst players in the in the in the league. If he has the hardest shot, have him in the skills competition. It shouldn't. The skills competition shouldn't be about the All Stars. The skills competition should be about you know the best players in those categories. The fastest skater was were call fast fastest skaters were Carl Haglin and Colin Greening in 2012. They're not all-stars. Um, the other thing I would change is uh, get rid of the fan vote. You know, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, that is, I mean, but that and that's I know what's funny is they do that in every professional sport. I don't mean I don't know. I know, soccer, I know. It's so stupid. It's like, but, oh, let the fans vote for their player. It's like, no. How about the guy who is 
having a career year or having an all-star year? Like, how about he plays? You know what? I don't mind fan voting. I mind the way they do it. You can, you can, you can give 10 votes every 24 hours. That's just ridiculous. Should... Nah, I, I don't even I don't even like the fan because it doesn't really matter. Because it doesn't. I don't even think about that. I just don't like the fans voting. I just don't even like that. If you're going to do a fan yeah. vote, I would do it. I don't know, just one vote per per person, or do it do it at the home games. You know, Rangers have a home game. That's when you when you vote your player in. I know? guess, but everyone's going to vote for their own players. Like, I just don't like that. It's just so yeah. dumb. It's it's not I the guy to... who really deserves it. That happens now as well, but at least it's not as crazy as John Scott or Zemgus Jurgensen's. No, uh, I, I know. And the other thing they got to get rid of is this stupid bullshit where like every team has to be representative. No, no. The team doesn't have any all stars. Fuck out of here. You have no all stars. That's it. That, that that's that's actually a good point. I think the New Jersey Devils have no player that deserves to be in the All Star game. Um, I after trading away Taylor Hall, their best. Their best bet, their closest player to being an all-star is probably maybe Paul Mary. Um, but I, I can I can name I, w- I would I would pick five players on the Washington Capitals over Kyle Palmieri. Yeah, me too. I would pick I would pick five players of the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Boston Bruins over Kyle Palmieri. And this, I have nothing against Kyle Palmieri, but like you said, some teams just don't have an all-star. Um, but if you're going to make it mandatory for every team to be represented, then make it two players per team. I don't or, know. I just, or, or, uh... or minimum one. But make it like make it 16 players per division or something. You know, make it, make it fun by having the best players in it. How did how did Mika Zibanejad not get an invite for the All Star Game? He is he is over a point per game this season. He has been after Panarin because it's not it's not about the best players. Let's just put it that way. It's not about no, the best players. It isn't. It isn't. And that's one of that's one of the other things I would change. You know, um, the All Star Game itself. Yeah, I mean it's fun. It's fun to watch. I don't even know who to root for. Do I root for the Metropolitan Division? I don't care about the division. You know, and and it's it, the skills competition is fun, but you know, Artemi Panarin is uh, was was selected. It's nice to see someone else being selected after years of Henrik Lundqvist being basically the the token ranger. Um, yeah, and for him it sucks that he's injured. Now Chris Kreider's going. Yeah, yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, it's uh, it's. It's a big whatever for, for for you and me. It's it's not it's not a big deal. I'll still watch it, but um, but yeah. If, if there's if there's one thing you could change, maybe like one thing about the All Star Game, so something that maybe they did years ago that you would like to bring back, what would it be? I would just go back to the regular format, the way it was, of just East first, West best players, simple. Okay. I don't, I, I don't like I don't I don't like three on three shit. I really don't. I don't like this division. Fucking I don't know. It's just it's just it it's so kooky. I don't like it. It's just dumb. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, I don't remember what year it was exactly. They had this weird format where they had two captains picking players. Yeah, uh, that was that was dumb too. I didn't like that either. That. It was, I think, it, that was the only time ever the Sedins were playing against each other in their lives. 
because all throughout their careers, they always played on the same teams. Um, but yeah, they, you know, as long as it appeals to the kids and the new fans, and you know, the All Star Game is like a mascot. I don't care about mascots, but if they want, if they, if the Rangers would like to introduce a mascot, go ahead. I don't care. If it if it if it uh, positively impacts the hockey experience of other fans, while at the same time it doesn't affect my experience. I don't have a problem with it. Like the storm surge with the Carolina Hurricanes. Some people hate it. Well, don't watch it. Walk out of the arena. You know, if the, if if the NHL wants to wants to appeal to young fans and new fans and try new things, I'm all for it. Um, I'm, all, I'm all for that. I just don't like the All Star Game format the way it is. I don't even, I, and I haven't liked it in, in a very yeah. long time. That's all. I mean, I. I but I'm all for the other fan experience stuff. Like I, I think what Caroline is doing is awesome. I think I think all I think I think having fun at the games with the players and they're interacting with the with the, with the fans. I love that kind of stuff. Now, I, 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 I love that. The three on three Metro versus you know Atlantic. I just like I don't give a shit. Like mm-hmm. that's so I, I don't care. I, yeah, and 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 the storm surge. I said it earlier today on Twitter. You know the players like it, the fans like it. What seems to be the problem? Why, or if people are complaining, then, then either walk out of the arena or switch off your TV. Because you, act- you, you, you got old farts like Don Cherry who give a shit. Who are fucking, he's a, you know, guy's like 900 years old. So don't watch it. I mean, I've been to, I've been to, uh, uh, how many games have I been to at Madison Square Garden now? Five. Which may not sound like a lot, but, you know, I live in Europe, so it's not that easy. Um, I've been to five games at Madison Square Garden. Two things I really don't care for during the game is the Pot Van Sucks uh, chance and Dancing Larry. But I don't care. You know, Dancing Larry, go go nuts. The, f- the other fans seem to like it. It, 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 it rouses up the fans. It, you know, it's in, in the, near the end of the third period. It's, it is what it is. I'm not going to complain about it or, or going to, you know, request that they, they quit it. You know, it's... Yeah. If if they do Dancing Larry, I, last time I was in, the, uh, in in New York in September for the preseason games, when Dancing Larry came on, I went out, uh, I, I I walked out for a beer because I just it doesn't do anything for me, and that's fine. Now they don't have to change anything because I don't like it. Um, and and you know that's the thing with the storm surge. I see people complain. I'm like, well, just walk out of the arena or don't or switch off your TV. Yeah. Or scroll through it if it pops up on Twitter. You know, it's not not everything is about you and your opinion. Yeah, I'll tell you something about the about the pot that sucks, Jen. Um, personally, I I mean, I, at this juncture of my life, it is so played out that I almost feel nauseous when it gets done. It's just like it was kind. Of, it's kind. Of, it was kind of funny, and then it got like anything else, like any joke gets gets overplayed, and it got overplayed to the point where now it's just like, dude, all right. Yeah, enough like yeah. it, it it's been so long since then it's popping just move on it, well what was it 1981 or something i wasn't even alive for for that the the hit that that caused all this yeah it's just dude it's just so long ago and you know and and this is the thing uh some chants are funny like the uncle daddy chants uh you know back in the day when brother was playing and when the devils would be at the garden i, I would be watching in the middle of the night and i was just waiting for the uncle I was just waiting for the Uncle Daddy chant every every game against the Devils. It's funny, but we don't do it anymore because Brodeur is no longer in the league. Why are we still doing the Pot Van Sucks chant? 
I'm just I'm just secretly hoping that we draft or trade for a player named Podven in the near future. Just 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 for fun. Just to see what happens if if the fans will still do the Podven sucks chant when there's a Ranger with the name Podven on the ice. I don't know. It's just like just re- retire the chant. It's old. Just move on. Anyways, um, let's just get on to, to some other things because I think unless you want to keep talking about the All-Star game, unless you have other things. No, I mean, the All-Star game is this weekend. People will enjoy it. I'm just happy when it's Monday and regular season hockey is back on. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, so you, I, um, let's do the uh, let's let's talk about the expansion draft a little bit. So I'll let you I'll let you kind of chime in here on the expansion draft and kind of uh, give everybody kind of a preview of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the Seattle expansion draft is 18 months away. So it's, I, I don't think we've ever discussed it uh, yet on under review. So it might be a good time to, you know, bring it up. Um, it's an interesting uh, time for hockey fans, uh, not just Ranger fans, because every decision that the GMs are making from now on is going to be impacted by the expansion draft. And we saw it a few years ago with Vegas where the trade deadline was quiet. Uh, it wasn't as, um, you know, as active as, uh, as usual uh, in, the, in the years leading up to the Vegas expansion draft because you can only protect so many players. Um, and in the case of the Rangers, one thing needs to be said because I see this a lot on Twitter and Facebook and hockey forums, uh, you know, the question about the goalie situation. Um, and we talked about this last week. I'm not going to get into who we should trade and who we should keep, this and that, blah, blah, blah. The one thing I will say is this. If in the, in the unlikely case, unlikely scenario that we keep all three goalies until 2021, there's no problem because Igor Shesturkin is exempt. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist is a uh, pending free agent in 2021. So he doesn't have to be protected, even though he has a no-move clause. So the once protection slot for the goalie can be used for Georgiev, regardless of what our situation is with the goalies. Um, and that brings me to the second point. Same for Mark Stahl, same for Brendan Smith. They have no trade clauses, no move clauses, doesn't matter. Players who are an unrestricted free agent in 2021 do not have to be protected, even if they have a no-move clause, which means... You know, we have three slots available for defensemen and seven slots for forwards. Now, I want to ask you, which three defensemen would you protect? I think Truba is a mandatory protection slot because his no-move clause kicks in this summer. This is is a tough question because it really... You know who the key, the key, the key player is in this whole thing is Tony D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. Because I'm just not sure what's going to happen over the next 18 months with him. I don't. Oh. That's a good question. I, I I really have to sit down and think about that one. I don't want to oh. give like an off the cuff answer. So um, if if we okay, so here's a scenario: if we keep Anthony D'Angelo, that's what I'm saying. Do we keep him or are we trading him? In this scenario, we keep him. Then yeah, then obviously. Okay, so that's D'Angelo slot number two. And then you have Brady Shea, Libor Hayek, Ryan Lindgren. Which out of those three are you protecting? Shea. Okay. 
this is easier than you expected. Um, it, it is, but I mean, but but it, but the thing is, is that I don't want to protect Shay, but I I think I have to. Well, because I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose him. I don't want to lose him for nothing. That's that's a good point. But will Seattle really pick him up in the expansion draft for five? I don't. You know, I don't think. I, yeah, I don't think that's a bad buy at five million dollars. I don't. Because if you if if you think that that Shea for five point two million dollars is overpaid and Seattle is not going to commit to that, then you well, could, I, that, that's my point. I don't think he's overpaid. I don't think I don't think he's overpaid either. But you know, there are fans out there that think that Brady Shea is overpaid for what he brings to the table. Nah, I don't think so. I think and, I think he's I think he's. I mean, if even if you want to justify an overpay. What by maybe a quarter of a million to a half million dollars at most, and it's not maybe. a bad. It's not. It's not like he should be. He's worth a million. And he's getting paid five. That's what I'm saying. He makes five point two million uh, for a contract signed in when was it 2018? Yeah. Compare that to Mark Stahl, who makes five point seven million signed in 2015. Uh, uh, that that really makes me want to throw up. Yeah. Okay, and then forwards, you can protect seven. Uh, the bandage Adam Panarin have a no move clause, so I assume they're mandatory protections. They're, they're mandatory protections, right? Even if they aren't, they're the first two players on the list who people want to protect. Yeah, I would I would assume so. Um, probably. I mean, well, the, I mean, the forward group can look so different in eighteen months, though. Mm-hmm. There's so many guys coming off the books. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm assuming in this model we've re-signed Strom, right? Yeah, let's go with that. Okay, so I would assume you're going to protect him then. Mm-hmm. Um, Heedle? Yep. You're going to have to protect him because he's, he's eligible to get, to get it taken away. Correct. Um, that leaves you three slots. And I think Kako would be exempt, right? Everyone who signed, everyone who played their first professional season in North America this year is exempt. So Adam Fox, Diego Rikov, Vitaly Kravtsov. Okay, so I don't have to worry about any of those guys. So we're good there. Uh-huh. Um, then I got to, so, I mean, Bushnevich depends on if he's there or not, but he might eat up a spot. Okay. Um, and then you have, yeah. well, what you have left is Brett Howden, Brendan Lemieux, and then Jesper Fott, assuming he's still on the team. In this scenario, we assume that Kreider is gone, right? Yeah, we're assuming Kreider has gone. Okay. Um, so you have two slots available, and you have to protect two of Jesper Fott, Brendan Lemieux, and Brad Howden. I'm probably going to protect Jesper Fott, probably. Mm-hmm. Okay. So le- who are you protecting, Lemieux or Howden? <sighs> That's really hard. Probably Brett Howden. Okay. I'd probably expose them, yeah. Because Howden's a center and younger? Yeah. He's, it's a harder role to fill. It is. Um, and you know, and, he, and he, I think sometimes you got to think, think long term about what's the harder role to fill. Like, even if Brett, if Brett Howden becomes like a third-line center, I mean, that's so much harder to find than a, a, a bottom six forward. That's 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 a good point, and and we're talking about Brett Howden eighteen months from now, not Brett Howden today. 
So there's... That, that, that's right. I mean, and that's the thing. That's why it's hard to do this, this, um, this exercise because so much can change in 18 months, dude. Like so much gameplay can change. And, yeah. so, and tr- people can get traded, and then all of a sudden your roster looks different. Mm-hmm. For all you know, in 18 months, like we might know just straight up who they're going to protect because of who they've traded. Yeah, yeah, and, and but it's still good to you know talk about it and bring it up because you know the rules aren't really clear for some fans, and it's look there, there is a scenario where a team can protect more than three defensemen, right? But that is unlikely for the Rangers. The teams that I could see go for that option are teams like the Nashville Predators, where, where they want to protect four defensemen. But that's the scenario where you protect eight skaters and one goalie. So you, I don't know how I would do that, though. You can either protect seven defensemen, uh, uh, seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie, or eight skaters and a goalie. What would you do? If I'm the Rangers, uh, the seven three one scenario, all day, all day, right? Because we don't have a fourth defenseman that's worth giving up. Um, a guy like Jesper Fast or Filipino. Hmm, that's a good point. That's and a really good point. In the case of the Nashville Predators. Uh, with the Vegas expansion draft, I think they went with the eight skater option because they had Roman Yossi, Matthias Ekholm, Ryan Ellis, and PK Subban to protect in 2017. Right. That's 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 a different that's a different scenario. Yeah, and not every, not not every team has that dynamic in order to do that. So no, the the Rangers don't have enough good defensemen, eligible defensemen for the expansion draft to go that route. So it'll be a seven three one system. Yeah. Um, and yeah, on, on defense, you'll probably lose either Ryan Lindgren or Libor Hayek. And I'm okay losing either one of them. Yeah. It, I wouldn't care. We are going to lose a player. You know, when, when the Vegas expansion draft happened, we lost Oscar Lindbergh and people were freaking out. And now he plays in Switzerland. So, yeah, exactly. And, I, and to be honest with you, I mean, if we lose... If we lose one of um, Lindgren or um, if we lose either Lindgren or or Lemieux I mean, or Lemieux, I mean, I gotta be honest. I'm I, I don't I don't think that's the end of the world for the team. Oh, no, the Rangers are not in a position where they need to bargain with Seattle to keep their players, like Anaheim did uh, with Vegas, or the Florida Panthers did. That's... But I but I wouldn't do that. I would just be like, take the player. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I'm not course. gonna I'm not gonna let you I'm not gonna let you I'm not gonna let you kill me for draft picks. No. Just just a, just a prior of you know a third pair defenseman. No, yeah. uh, my my depth is too strong to care about that. And now with that said, we come back to what I said earlier. The GMs are going to be very cautious with who they trade for both this year and next year, because some GMs. I hope, have learned from the previous expansion draft. You had the Florida Panthers who told Vegas that if they picked Riley Smith, they got uh, Jonathan Marchessault with it in a trade for future considerations. Because the Florida Panthers wanted to get Riley Smith off the books. Uh, The Anaheim Ducks couldn't protect Josh Manson, so they made a deal with Vegas to draft Kardilis, and 
part of that deal was that they got Shea Theodore. The GMs who made those decisions, who were forced to give up prospects and picks to keep their players, will probably be very cautious. And it's a lesson to the other GMs in the league as well. And there's been a lot of talk about Georgiev being traded to Toronto. But what if Toronto doesn't want to commit to a goalie that they cannot protect next year? Mm, That's a good point. Because they have Freddie Anderson, who I think is mandatory protection with a no-move clause. So... They, if they acquire Georgiev, they have to either trade Anderson or lose or risk losing him in the expansion draft. So it changes the dynamic in in both in free agency and at the trade deadline. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, we're still eighteen months away. Um, I just, you know, it's it's. It's the second expansion draft in three years uh, by the time we get, or four years, uh, 2017 and then 2021. Um, expansion draft is something I love. You know, it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those quirky CBA things that I really look forward to. As someone who is, who is almost obsessed with the CBA, the expansion draft is a lot of fun. And uh, there's a lot of rules and exceptions and <clears throat> that, that come with it. Um, but yeah, it, it's it, it'll be it'll be nice to have you know a new team in the league. Seattle, um, I think they 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 are due an NHL team. Uh, I've been to. What Seattle. do you think the name of the team is going to be? I have no idea. I was I, you know secretly I'm hoping that they follow the Ottawa Senators and go with the Seattle Metropolitans because that was their original NHL team a hundred years ago. But I don't see it happening with a division already named the Metropolitan Division. That would just be too confusing. Yeah, I could see that too. That's, that's a good point. So yeah, I've been to Seattle five, six times, um, and you know that city is just crazy for hockey. Even though they don't have an NHL team, but I've been to Seattle Thunderbirds games. I've been to an Everett Silvertips game, which is just north of Seattle. Um, you have the, uh, um, uh, the the Portland Winterhawks uh, just a few hours away. Of course, the Vancouver Canucks are very close to Seattle. And the people in Seattle, um, last time I was there last year, I was talking to people at, at bars, and, and they're very excited about this. They're very excited about getting an NHL team. And, you know, they, they, they really need something. They only have the Seattle, uh, Seattle Seahawks and the Seattle Mariners. But, you know, they're the, one of the worst teams in baseball. So um, Seattle really, re, you know, they can really use a, a good team in one of the top four sports in North America. So, yeah, uh, I, think, I think that's actually, I, I actually think Seattle's a great market for, for hockey. See, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, we don't know what the name's going to be, but I have a feeling that their color scheme will be the exact same as all their other sports teams. It will be gray, dark blue and green. Mm. Every team in the Pacific Northwest. Has that has that color scheme? The uh, the gray stands for the clouds. The dark blue is the Pacific Ocean, and the green is the nature in the in the state of Washington. Um, but yeah, it, it it'll be interesting to see what the name is going to be. I think the announcement of the name is in March. Oh wow, that's interesting. Uh, I remember reading something about it. So, yeah, once we have the name, we also probably know what the jersey will look like, the logo, the color scheme. I hope um, they do the Kraken. That's, that would be cool. 
Yeah, I'm not really a fan of team names uh, named after something singular, you know, like the Avalanche or the Wild. So, oh, why not? That's fine, dude. It's, not uh, that uh, it's a personal thing, I guess. Um, speaking of the Avalanche, have you seen the jerseys for the stadium series? I do, and I like it. Uh, did you see the LA Kings jersey for the stadium series? That one I did not see. Uh, it has like the letters LA, mm-hmm. like like sliding down a slope. Um, it's funny because the LA Kings jersey represents an avalanche more than the avalanche jerseys. That's funny. You should you should look up the jersey afterwards uh, after we finish recording. I'll take a look at it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it could be the, just circling back to Seattle. It could be the Seattle Kraken. Um, I think the the name that I've heard was uh, the Sockeyes, which is you know a salmon from that region. I mean, would you that's really? Ter- that's terrible. Do you really want to name your team after a fish when you're in a division with orcas, sharks, uh, uh, coyotes, and ducks? I don't know. I don't know. That's just I don't like. It's, 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 I don't, I don't mind fish because the Kraken would be kind of cool because it's like, you know, this, you know what I mean? It's different. The Kraken, like, you know, I'll say this about the Kraken. You know, if the Kraken is your logo, if the Kraken is your team name, that really, that really yells, we are, we are here to to destroy you. Yeah. It'd be cool, man. Like you have tentacles coming out. Like you could do so much cool. I just, I mean, I think that's a great opportunity for them them to seize. And they, I hope they do because it would be awesome. Yeah, like you know, when when Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup in t- two thousand four, people were saying this is the only Stanley Cup they ever win because Lightning Lightning never strikes twice. <clears throat> so you want to you want to prevent a team name that people can mock, and I think if you name your team the Sockeyes, it's it's too easy. Yeah, it's terrible. I I, I would not. That would be awful if they do. You that. know, the, the team names in the, there are some really good team names in the league. You know, the Devils. It's it's a powerful name for fourteen. The um, the, the the Florida Panthers, the Nashville Predators. It's you know the, those team names really mean something. You know they they really show okay. You know we're here to destroy you. We're here to you know kick your ass. And yep. here and and here comes the Seattle Salmon. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just not the same. So yeah, maybe maybe yeah. or the Seattle Goldfish. Awesome. Yeah. Maybe the Seattle Finding Nemo's. Yeah, um, is, no. You gotta have an, you gotta have an aggressive. If you're gonna do a fish, do an aggressive fish. Yeah. So maybe 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 the Kraken is is the best name out there. Um, Seattle Totems is a name I've seen. I actually like that one too. I've I've heard the Totems, and I was like, that's pretty dope. I like that. I, I think that the name Totems would be in line with their other sports teams. You know, with the Thunderbirds and the Seahawks, um, it, it, it has that heritage of the state of Washington in it. Um, I, the logo, I, I have no idea what to expect. I really hope they do something creative. Um, actually, one of my favorite logos in all of sports is the, the University of Washington, the, the, the Cougars. Uh, sorry, no, no, Washington State. The Washington State Cougars. They have a logo that is the head of a cougar made up of the W, the S, and the C for Washington State Cougars. Oh, that's kind of cool. If you, you know, 
don't 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 look up anything else before you look up this. Look up the Washington State Cougars logo. You know, for the people okay. listening to us, for you when we stop recording, when we finish, look up the logo. It's one of the best logos in, in all of sports. It's creative. It 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 it, it has a double meaning. It's perfect. So okay. I hope I hope the Seattle team does something similar. Um, you know, do something nice. The the Vegas Golden Knights logo is not bad. Uh, I think it's a bit simplistic. Um, I think they could have done better. Uh, it reminds me of Magneto of the X Men. But yeah, it kind of does. It kind of does. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the best logo in hockey is still the you know, all time is still the Hartford Whalers. I think we can agree on that. It is definitely one of the cooler ones. I'll, I'll agree on that too. It's so, again, so, 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 let me ask you that. Let me. So, let me ask you this. So, if if we're in agreement that um, that expansion is good for hockey, what's the next city to get an expansion team? I, well, I think thirty-two is for the next couple of years the limit. Um, but I or think- maybe a team that could relocate. A relocation team, I think, could definitely work. Um, I think Kansas City is a likely destination for an expansion team. Um, More likely, in my opinion, than Quebec City, because Canadian teams don't really do well financially um, with, you know, the different currency and the fluctuation. And this is why there's been so many issues with escrow, because the, the Canadian teams... The problem with for the Canadian teams is this. Their revenue is Canadian dollars, but their expenses are US dollars. So when the Canadian dollar drops, they they run into all types of problems. Hmm. And we have how many Canadian teams do we have now? Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto. And Toronto. Yeah. I think that's enough. Um, I think Kansas City is a is a likely destination. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Houston. Houston's a good one, actually. I think uh, that's a very good one. I think I think the teams that that need to, to get relocated are the Florida Panthers. Definitely need to get relocated. Hundred percent need to. Get as, as much as I, as much as I like the fact that they're sort of like a you know not a rivalry but sort of like this this competition going on with two teams in Florida. I don't think the Florida Panthers are, have a long life in Florida. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning's completely different story. You know that that arena is buzzing. You know they sell out. It's a great experience. Florida Panthers. Uh, speaking of the Florida Panthers, quickly they are hosting the All Star Game next year. Um, so for people in Florida who want to go, the Florida Panthers are hosting it. Um, but yeah. But- the, the Florida Panthers are a, a likely team to be relocated. Um, talks about the Arizona Coyotes, of course, have always been there. The Carolina Hurricanes, even though they're having like this resurgence now with you know some really good players and good performance. Is it enough to keep them in North Carolina? I don't know. Um, but hey, you know... Um, I, I guess I guess we uh, we will find out in a few years if there is a relocation. I think those three teams are the most likely to relocate, though. I think so too. I think and I think and I think the, the the markets that I would target. I think Kansas City is a great a great market. 
Um, I think Quebec could be a, a, a target. I could see someone trying to push a team back, you know, out there. Um, I don't think it's as likely as a, as a place like Kansas City. I think Houston is absolutely a brilliant one. I think that's a booming city. It's got it's. I think it's in the top five of U.S. population at this point. Um, <clears throat> so it's definitely got a market that could work. Um, one caveat, though, that is interesting is that if you're going to move a team from Phoenix, Arizona, now Phoenix is a city that is just year over year, the population there is just getting insane mm-hmm. and, and it can't do well there. So that's an interesting thing because it's almost like that city is growing rapidly in Phoenix, Arizona. And you're telling me that the team can't do well there. So is it, is it more management than anything else? I mean, like they have, when's the last time the Arizona Coyotes were in the playoffs? I mean, I don't even, it, it's been so long. It's ridiculous. I think and they had, they had so I, many graphics. So I think 2012, they, um, they were the division winner. They were the third seed in the West. That's insane. Look, it's, almost, the, it's almost a decade. The problem with the Phoenix Coyotes or sorry, the Arizona Coyotes, because they want to represent the entire state. Um, the problem with the Arizona Coyotes is that their arena, even though it's a really nice arena, Gila River, I was there two years ago, amazing experience. It's too far out of the city. It's like the 49ers playing in, uh, what is it, Santa Clara? They play like 40 miles outside of San Francisco. The Arizona Coyotes don't, you know, the, the, one of the reasons is probably to change the names because they, they don't really play in Phoenix. Um, and I was visiting a friend who lives in Phoenix and she told me that when we went to the game, we, we really have to, you know, get ready early because it's a 45 minute drive without traffic. That's pretty ridiculous from Phoenix. So that's, that's, that's problem number one. And this is why Seattle is going to be a huge success because they're going to play in the uh, key arena, which is right next to the space needle. It's like downtown Seattle. It's perfect. Um, so yeah, the, the the Coyotes have potential, but the location of that arena is just it's just all wrong. As nice as the arena is, it that's one that's one of the one of the problems with that team. Well, and location is everything. I mean, you you need to be around. You can't just be you know you have to be convenient for people to get to and convenient for the population, the majority of the population of the city. Yeah. So. All right, uh, let's move on to some. Do we have any questions this week, or anything that we need to chat about other than the, you know what we touched on so far? Uh, no real questions, but um, I have I have a question for you actually. Go for it. Um, do you think there is a chance that the Rangers don't trade but sign Chris Kreider? Is there a chance? Yes. Okay. Well, your gut feeling, yes or no? Do we keep him? Yes or no? Gut feeling is he's gone. Okay. But I think there is a chance. It's just, I mean, I don't know, 15%? Mm-hmm. I think there's an 85% chance he's gone. I think there's always a small window of maybe they keep him. But if they do, there's a lot of things they got to think about too. If they if they keep him, I I almost kind of think that they're gonna ha- they're gonna have to kiss goodbye to some other forwards down the road. 
So if you can keep Strom or Kreider, if it's up to you, who do you keep? Depends on the contract. I can't just look at it as players because that it's it's not just the player. If we're talking just player, it's Kreider, obviously. Okay. But if we're talking about contract involved, it, it might be Strom because I don't know what he, I don't know. Depends on what, right. what, what I. It depends. It depends on the the contract, you know. I mean, if 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 Kreider is wanting seven for seven, I mean, I don't want him at that price ever. How about how about Strom six for six? I don't like Strom at six for six. I I I would I would ship him out at six for six. That's so too you, much. You wouldn't sign either of them at those terms. Hell no, no way. It's too <laughs> much. Okay. I I'm just being real. I I think I think when it comes to a team that really doesn't have an identity yet. You don't want to lock yourself into the into into long term deals with guys that are. I mean, I, I consider Kreider a, a top six forward, but but uh, you know, but also on the on the other side of his his career, um, yeah. so that is a factor. And then Strom, I don't consider a top six forward. So it's just why would I want to commit long term dollars to to roles that I think are replaceable in the next couple of years? Like Kreider's role can be replaced. Especially as he ages, it's going to be easier to replace. Strom's Strom's play can be replaced for a cost-efficient player that we can draft. And it's like I want to commit the dollars to somebody I think has dynamic play. Zabanajed, Panarin, those are the forwards and the types of forwards I want to commit my dollars to because that I can't I can't always find that in the draft and I can't always sign that. Are they lucky they got they got lucky with Panarin, but it's yeah. not that's pretty rare, you know. So. I, I want to commit my money there and fill the roster through the draft with, with everyone else. I just, I, I think, I think just giving him money just to satisfy because he's been here for a long time is, I think that's a bad move. Yeah, <clears throat> that makes sense. Um, how about Butch Nevis? Do you see him staying? He's an interesting one. Um, Butch Nevis is an interesting player because I think. I think I think for what I can for what I'm paying him and what I think I will pay him long term is good because I think he's pricing himself to just be a middle six forward who has some offensive upside and can put together and put in 40 50 points. Now, that's not a bad player, it's not a great player, but it's a player that I can afford if I can get him cheap. Now I think Buchnevich knows that, and he's probably gonna—he's pricing himself right. Like I don't think—I don't think Buchnevich is gonna ask for the—he's not gonna ask for Chris Kreider money. And if you think about it, Chris Kreider and Buchnevich, basically in terms of point production, are kind of very similar. If you really, really look at it, they're not that far off point production wise. If if, if you look at it <clears throat> based on their age, um, they're almost identical. Um, and not just points, you know, they're, they're almost identical when it comes to creating scoring chances, uh, like their own ice contributions. Yeah. And Bush never is going to be a lot cheaper than Kreider. So I would go that route. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I'm just saying like, if I had a choice to keep Kreider or Bush I'm saying, and that's not based on the player. It's based on the player plus the contract that I'm keeping Bush Now, if you're telling me I can only keep one player on my roster and I can have them both for cheap, obviously it's going to be Kreider. Yeah. But it's yeah, just, I mean, like, that's just not, but, but you have to realize that the contract is a factor. I think sometimes we look at this stuff and we think, oh, just the player. Well, the player plus the contract is a factor. You know, everybody wants, you know, the high-end, you know, a, a high-end player. But 
if he's a high-end player, he's going to cost you a ton of dollars and you can't sign anybody else. Sometimes you have to make tough decisions and let that person go. And that's the uh, both the beauty and the ugly side of a salary cap. Exactly. And then and the NHL has the toughest cap. It's really, really tough. It's, it's, yeah, there, it's very strict. There, there's, there's no, uh, you know, no restructuring of contracts. Um, there's no, there, there's, there's no thing with guaranteed money. The, the salary cap and the contract structure in the NHL is pretty straightforward. Exactly. So it just make that's why it makes it even, you know, that's why it's even more important to have cap flexibility as you start to build your team. Yeah. So hamstringing yourself with six years of Kreider or five years or six years of Strom is not a smart idea. And it's not because they're not, they're not good players. They're not groundbreaking players. You know what I'm saying? Like there are certain players I'd lock myself in for a decade. And the only two forwards on this team currently that I say, okay, I want to lock myself in for a decade. One, Artemi Panarin. He's already locked up. Second mm. is Mika Zibanejad. And once his contract's up, I'm giving him whatever he wants. Like you want, you want, you know, the next five years after his contract's done at, at you know, $8 million, done. $9 million, mm. done. Like, fine. Because he deserves it. So it's like, those are the guys, those are the guys I'm committing money to. Everyone else, it's going to be, unless you're a game breaker, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to fit you in this cap and try to, you know, play the, the, the smart way about this and have, you know, financial flexibility. <laughs> And that's yep. why the draft. That's why the draft and having young players is so important. Because if you have cost controlled players, you allow yourself flexibility to, to to eat a contract or to say, you know what, I can pay Zibanejad and I can pay Panarin because I'm going to get really good production from my Kakos and my Kravstovs and my Heedles and all of those. You know, the, the younger guys, you're going to get production out of them, even if it's 40, 50 points. Great. You get that up and down the lineup, and now you got a solid team. Yeah, and, and that's that's the thing when you look at a guy like Chris Kreider, when he was uh, Butchnevich's age, when he was 24, I think he put up like 45 or 40, 46 points. And, um, you know, you have to, you, you cannot compare Butchnevich at 24 to Kreider at 27 or 28. That's just not how it works. Um, but if you can keep Butchnevich for a middle six role or maybe a third line role with some power play minutes, where he puts up 40 to 50 points. If you can get that long-term for three, four million, you do it. Um, and, and you might not get like a consistent performance out of him, but I mean, well, what are the expectations here? You know, this kid was a third round pick in 2013 and he is, Oh, you've gotten, you've already gotten everything out of him. Like, that's my point. Like a third round pick who turns out to be, you know, like a guy who, at minimum, at minimum, can play on your third line, probably your second line, and 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 it's proven to be he's he can play on your first line. So, he's got ability. It, he lacks some consistency. I, I give you that. I mean that that's definitely true. But you know what player in the NHL? I mean, there's very few players in the NHL that don't lack consistency. If we're, if we're being real here, well, so McDavid and Crosby are probably two of them. Ovechkin. But I'm saying, like, I mean, you're you're yeah. really like picking at straws. Like most players lack consistency. It's just kind of. The, the nature of sports. No one's going to be consistent day in, day out. It's just very rare. Yeah. So, um, you know, okay, he's, he's a little consistent. I, I get that. But, I mean, if I can get him for $3 million for the next couple of years, that's great. And if I feel like he's not part of my plan, he's super tradable. There's no way you're trading, you're trading Kreider at 7 for 7 over the age of 30. No way. No one's taking it. No. No, and, and, and that's the thing, you know. We, we, maybe we just need to, need to realize that um, – Maybe we need to 
exchange uh, lower expectations for Butch Nevich a bit. Maybe he's not going to be that top line player, and that's fine. And that's okay. That's fine. I, I, and you're totally right. There's nothing wrong in not in not being that player. It's okay because you're still filling a very good role for us. And in that role, it could either be for us or it could be in a trade ship down the road. But either way, he's a valuable piece because he's still, you know, as, as, if I can get him locked up at a good rate, he's a very valuable piece in a trade or on my team. Both yeah. are fine. The thing is, Kreider, I think at this point, because he's he, this is his last big contract, he's not going to take a team-friendly deal. He knows this is his time to cash in. So someone's going to pay for him. And that someone should be a team that's on the verge of winning a cup. It should not be the Rangers. Yeah, a team like Colorado. Exactly. Would actually be a good fit for him. Exactly. They are, they are one or two pieces away from being a legitimate contender in the West. Um, but yeah, Butchnevich, a third-round pick, 3.2 million. I'm perfectly happy with that. In my, in my opinion, a third-round pick, if he plays 100 NHL games, that's, 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 a, that's a good draft pick. That's, that's a successful selection in the draft. Um, and I brought this up a few weeks ago. If you look at the Colorado Avalanche, the last player they drafted outside of the top 10 to play 100 games for them was um, Tyson Berry in 2009. You need to draft these depth players because you cannot just go out in free agency and just sign all these fourth line and third line players. No, that that's how you become the Islanders, and 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 I don't and I mean this in, in in a very I don't mean that in a good way because I think the Islanders are a very flawed team. But when you start pay, overpaying for fourth liners, guess what? You can't afford John Tavares. You can't afford Artemi Panarin. You can't afford, um, you know, to 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 keep superstars. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. You can't. Yeah, yeah, and and the Rangers traded away players like Carl Hagelin, you know, also because of the salary cap. But they traded him away when he was a restricted free agent, and they 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 didn't they didn't skip him. They didn't skip a beat. They didn't really miss him, to be honest. For for what he brought after 2015, it's not something that that we were desperately lacking. So the Rangers moved on. In, in the past, at the right time from certain players, and if you can, if you can keep that, 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 that uh, stream of talent going from your prospect pool to get those bottom six players, those third-pair defensemen, if you can get those through your own system, that's a much better tactic than, than to go out in free agency and do what... Who, who was... Was it the Florida Panthers who paid uh, Troy Brower the, the, the four-year deal in 2016? I forget. Uh, the Islanders uh, signed Matt Martin for 2.5 million a year. Oh, dude, I remember that was a horrible deal. And um, the Montreal Canadiens gave Brendan Prust what four million a year? Yes, yeah. <laughs> and like you said, those are the deals that that will kill you in the end. Yeah. Uh, and, it's like, and, would you would you would you rather have Prust for four million dollars, or would you rather have Mika Zibanejad for another another million on top of it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and 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 the one thing I would love to see implemented in the salary cap is a hometown discount on the cap hit. And what I mean by that is the NHL already emphasizes the draft by having players' rights locked up until 27 or seven pro seasons. But a, a hometown discount, for instance, um, Hendrik Lundqvist, let's, let's, let's go with that. Um, has been drafted by the Rangers, has been on the Rangers his entire career, that player, in my scenario, would, uh, would um, 
qualify for the hometown discount where you could go maybe 5% uh, uh, for every year on the team with a maximum of 25. So the Rangers would have a 25% cap discount on a homegrown player. I like that. You, I would, you, I would make it even higher than that, but I like it. You no, know, you, you can, you can play with the numbers. It's, it's just, you know, just spitballing here. You would actually, it would also be a sign towards or signal towards the players that, you know, John Tavares. You were talking about him earlier. The Islanders can offer him more money because their cap hit will be lower because of the cap discount. So a player can make more money by staying with the team that drafted him. You, right. you incentivize loyalty. I like I like that a lot. I love that actually. Maybe maybe I'll write it up one day. You know what? That's actually an absolutely genius idea. I really love it. I really do. I, I think that I think that totally would be a game changer because it, it incentivizes teams to to draft and then keep their own talent for the long haul and say, okay, okay I don't I don't mind I don't mind overpaying them because it's not going to kill my cap. Okay, um, um, Chris Kreider example. Chris Kreider is a free agent this summer. He, he, you know, the last week of free agency, he's allowed to negotiate with other teams while still being under contract for a few more days. Yep. That's just how it is. Chris Kreider gets an offer from the Colorado Avalanche for $7 million a year. Now, you said you wouldn't give him $7 million a year, right? Right. What if we, in this scenario, what if we can give him $8 million a year for $6 million cap hit? I'm all over it. That's that's that that that's my goal. And yeah, no, I I I'm I'm in agreement with you. I think it's a great idea because it's a way to circumvent the cap a little bit and provide that hometown hometown discount. So you want to you want to draft and keep your and develop and, and keep your own players in the long haul. And it's be, it's better for everyone. Better for the player, they make more money. It's better for the franchise because they get to keep their player, and it's better for the uh you know the the integrity of the league of of, of player development. And I'm pretty sure fans will be all over it because they don't have to see their favorite players be traded. Yeah, no, I really like it. I think it's a great idea. And then, and then obviously, if a, if a player leaves, it's more, it's it's going to be probably personal. If they're gonna, you know, they're gonna leave more money on the table, it's going to be because they want a better scenario. And then that's fine for them. But that's the choice they made. Exactly. But I, it, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, because because you know you 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 motivate you you incentivize loyalty. You give players a reason to stay. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. Let, let's um, you know, let's end it here because I want to. I actually want to get some feedback from people on this idea because I think it's absolutely it's, it's a great idea. Sure, sounds good to me. Um, yeah, let's let let's let's just get some responses from this. And um, if you guys have any questions or comments on that um, that hometown discount um, portion of the, the the CBA that maybe we should implement down 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 the road, let's let's talk about it a little because I actually think it's it's a great way to change the cap so that players can start making some more money and that the home team doesn't feel as, you know, they have to match the Stanley Cup favorite team to, to snag their player. And you, yeah. can keep your, you can keep your player, and yeah, you're overpaying him, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter because it only, only you get a little, a little relief cap-wise with it. So I love it. So great idea. Uh, and, and it would only work for players who have played for their home, hometown t- or for their, you know, their homegrown team their entire career, not a player that leaves and then comes back. That's- no, no, but I, I would, I would emphasize that it, you had to start your, like you could have been drafted somewhere else, but your first NHL game has to be with that team. So if we, you know, 
had a draft pick somewhere and they, you know, and then, or let's say we, we traded for a prospect and then they came. So Adam Fox. System. Adam right, Fox. Exactly. Adam Fox. Would, for me, this would, this would, Adam Fox would be a qualifying player for it. Okay. So the team you start your career with has that. The, that I uh, think that's, the, I think that's the fair way of going about it. All right. That's how I would, I would, I would structure it because it, it, you know, it's not, it's not fair then to those guys. But it's, if not, it's play- not fair that they get traded while they're still hot prospects. It's not fair. But, but if a player hits free agency, forces their way to free agency like Jimmy Vesey, then no team can have the cap discount. That's correct. See, we're already working with it. Nice. Yeah, we are. All right. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff, guys. Uh, let's let's wrap this up. And um, yeah, let's just let's just chat next week, man. This is a this is this is a, a great great place to leave off. Uh, yeah, and as people, my dog whines, so I got to get going. <laughs> if if people have feedback, just please let me know. Sounds good, man. All right, thanks a lot, dude. And right. we'll talk to you guys soon. All right, see you next week.